Hey, Matt, Joe, um, Joe, why don't you tell us what we talked about today? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, that conversation, this conversation, strap in, folks. Uh, shoot, we talked about the journey from starting from nothing, you know, starting from a shoe store. That's my journey, at least. But, uh, you know, and Matt's journey. But all the way through, I mean, we ended up at just radical acceptance of self and sitting in maybe I don't want to give away everywhere uh, everything that's good <laughs> Matt what do you think challenge. <laughs> Matt what do you think I, I think we dissected how to be happier on the journey of running a business I think that's good so I'm gonna give my version you ready my favorite part and I have a question have you ever tried to clean peanut butter out of a carpet with toilet paper so we'll start there, but then we got into the biggest mistake made when imitating others and being ourselves, how being inconsistent and stopping and starting will cost you results, the power of accountability and being seen by those who see you, how being authentic is the only way to succeed, how a mom shoe shopping became the business matchmaker, if you're not having fun, you won't last, the story of the shortest podcast in existence, how prioritizing the human over the business roles or results will always work, the faster you fall in love with iterating, the more successful you'll be, how enjoying the journey will become your secret weapon, how self-awareness is the secret to succeed in working with everything. I share an experience of my growth of my life that I have never shared, how guilt can hold you back from all the successes, how to release the weight of the world, and how you are always enough regardless of your to-do list grade. Damn. Wow. Did, um, did you just, like, who is taking notes up on the fly? <laughs> like what? <laughs> how did you? So we'll talk about that after, but everybody listening, it's time to cue the intro. So let's get into the episode. <laughs> are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Mind of George Show. It is a free-for-all Friday, and I am really excited to have these two. One of them I saw hypnotized and pretended to be an angry man that was about as cuddly as a three-day-old puppy. It was absolutely hilarious. And then the other one I met through him, who just always blows my mind with his marketing knowledge, tech skills, happiness, joy, life. But these are two of the most amazing human beings that I've ever met. They became friends really quickly. They run one of the best podcasts in the world called the Hustle and Flow Chart Podcast. It is huge. They help other podcasts grow. They are probably the most connected individuals ever. And we always have the deepest, most mind-blowing conversations, but yet we've never recorded them. So we blocked off three hours. I don't think that we're going to go there, but we'll see what we unpack and get into. But here's your warning. You might be taking the red pill when we get started. So Joe and Matt, welcome to the show. (laughs) <laughs> what's happening man solid intro I, it's great to be here yeah, i think that's my favorite intro i've heard yet <laughs> love it i just i i tell everybody like i've said this so many times i'm like i swear i wanted to be a singer or a freestyle rapper and i can't do either and so i do it with marketing and i just off the cuff the podcast <laughs> perfect it's working man are you guys hey, in the I've same office are you guys huh? in the same mm. office or are you at home no, we're at home. We're at home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that would be even hilarious if you two were sitting across from each other. Just <laughs> not even looking over at each other, just awkwardly through the camera. Oh. Yeah, we are on the hunt for a new studio right now. So next time we talk, that could be the case, actually. 
I love it. I love it. Yeah, I didn't know. I was like, actually, are they calling it on one laptop? Are they coming in on two? But we have a little separation of their codependent business relationship today. So I'm going to unpack the first question of the show because it's my favorite one. And uh, Matt, I'm going to have you go first and then we'll get into the show. So one of the questions I like to ask, you guys have been on this entrepreneurial journey for a long time and you've seen a lot, you've known a lot. I feel like you guys have like this privy lens because you're also behind the scenes of a lot of these businesses. And so Matt, when you look back, what do you think is one of the, like the largest mistakes or lessons that you've made in this journey? And then how do you mitigate it moving forward? That's a really good question because it's hard to narrow it down to any like specific <laughs> mistake, if I'm honest. I, I would say probably the biggest thing that we did early on that if I could go back and undo a lot of it would be trying to be like other marketers, trying to be like other gurus, trying to be like th there was a phase where I was following like Frank Kern really closely. And a lot of what I put out on the video and a lot of the content I was putting out and a lot of the advice I was giving was mirroring what you might expect from someone like Frank for a little while. When Joe and I started our podcast, we tried to be like, like the Tim Ferriss show or the Joe Rogan show or some of these other big podcasts that we heard. And we did a lot of modeling what other people were doing, but we took it a little too far. We took it to the extreme of we, we were like imitating them instead of just pulling the best traits and using those. We were literally trying to imitate other people. And that was how we mitigated that. I'm, I'm not totally sure. There was just like a, a sort of gradual shift to where we realized, what the hell are we doing? Like, why are we trying to be this? Like when we go out in public and hang out with people like who we are normally, why are we trying to be like other people. And so I think just looking back over our sort of historical business journey, that'd probably be the thing that I would change if I'd go back and just start by being myself the whole time. Yeah, I, I love it. And I actually will unpack that after Joe goes and... <laughs> <laughs> that lesson like hurts me in my soul. I feel like I lost five years of my life trying to be somebody I wasn't. I had to walk away from a business just to get back aligned again. And so, Joe, I'm going to go over to your side now. Same lesson, different one. But when you think back at your journey, getting to here, you guys working together, what's that experience been like for you? What's one of the biggest ones that you've run into and how do you mitigate it? I would say a big one is what Matt said is huge. So really understanding who the hell we are first, like personally, and our, that's probably part like what we can unpack. But I would say there's a lot of start and stopping along our journey. We like to test a lot of things, but I feel like it didn't allow us to get the momentum we wanted, at least out of the gate. And now we finally found it, but it's there was, a, there was just a lot of start and stop. And I feel like the... It, it wasn't a lot of consistency until much later in. And that's figuring out systems and just getting our heads straight and figuring out who we are. And probably part of what Matt said, stop modeling others and actually run our own course. So I'd say that's a big one. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> like, all right, we're going to go through all of our business mistakes. It's like all entrepreneur journeys are like the same at this point. Being inconsistent. We're going to be three hours, right? Yeah. Well, like, because like... I think about the amount of times like it still comes up to me. I was like, oh, this new thing, I'm going to go and go. And then I stop. And yep. then I never keep like the keel in the water of the consistent keel. And, and by the way, the intersection of these is really interesting to me because I feel like one of the reasons that I struggled, I, God, for the first seven years is because I was being inconsistent because I was mm -hmm. trying to be somebody I wasn't. Like your mm -hmm. two answers. Right. It was like... I knew what I wanted, but it felt like I was doing something differently every day and it was out of alignment. And so I just started to get more reactants and more resistance and I couldn't do it anymore. Mm. Yeah. That resonates oh. big time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, this is a Friday conversation. This is just going to clear me open for the weekend. Like, I'm just going to be like, yeah. <laughs> There's no more guilt. Let it all go. I'm sure everyone's experienced it in some way, entrepreneurs especially. Yeah, so, so, Joe, when you think about that now, like thinking about both of those sides, like how do you think now, what are your checks? What are your balances? What are your measures to be like, yeah, this is how we stay consistent. This is how we give ourselves like an accurate measure window. And this is how we make sure that we're moving ourselves forward, like authentically as ourselves. What are some of the things that you do to have that check? Yeah, well, uh, Matt helps having a great partner, someone who is very system oriented. But I think our balance, the two of us play together well in that I'm, I would say I'm a little bit more macro seeing the picture, I see more patterns. So if something's off or if we're inconsistent, that's it's something triggers in my mind. And, and typically I, I stir on that a bit. I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And it usually reflects in maybe some numbers, maybe leads going down or revenue taking a little hit. Yeah, because a little shiny object can totally throw us off the path or some new tactics. Leaning on systems and Matt and communicating, you know, I think a big thing for us is as long as we're communicating both of what we see individually, because our skill sets are totally different, it's the blend. And when we come together, which we have a, a, a planned whiteboard session day for Matt and I pretty soon here to pretty much do this as like another gut check for ourselves. Okay, cool. Let's, we've been doing this and doing a lot. Let's bring it in. So if, when shit just gets a little crazy, when we're doing too much, when we think, okay, spending too much plates or too many plates, that's when I slow down and start to meditate a little bit on what the heck it is that's most important right now and then figure out the path from there. Yeah, I love it. And Matt, to go to your side, because I think the consistency part boils in, but with your side, like I know what that felt like because I was like, it was like imitate genius, right? Like imitate genius, copy what's working. And I was like, oh, none of you told me I wasn't supposed to sacrifice my soul and not be that person. (laughs) So like, how do you now go about through those lessons? Like, how did you go about like developing your voice and then developing like kind of the reps and the consistency to really own that? Because I feel like what isn't talked about enough, how like we should model principles, but then we should always add our own wrapping paper. Like mm-hmm. we can, you can give somebody a piece of food, but like you got to make it your flavor. So what was that journey like? And like, how do you guys navigate that now? Cause it's funny. I look at both of you and I was like, you guys literally are like the perfect odd couple that works together. <laughs> the podcast, the flow, you know how to lean in and lean out. You have like complimentary but contradictory senses of humor and communication Mm -hmm. styles and so what does that process look like for you Matt because I I know a lot of people listening to this it's who do I want to be and we have all these inputs from the outside world they're like they're doing it and they're successful and they're doing it and they're successful and so we try to fit into the box and I'm like but we got to fit into our own box so what was that like for you to get through that and navigate that forward? Yeah, this is going to actually echo a little bit of what Joe's answer just was. But the fact that Joe and I have this partnership, I think, is a big factor because we could check each other quite a bit. Like Joe and I can, like he said, we have these check-in meetings. We do it probably, I don't know, once ever, not as much as we'd like to lately because of coronavirus and stuff. We do these check-ins where we'll get together all day long in front of a whiteboard and map out what we're doing and share the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that's going on. And I think Joe and I have gotten really good at calling each other out when we're not being authentic in a very friendly, loving way. Like Joe and I have gotten to a point now where 
we may not always agree on things like e- exactly, but we're very, we're really good at communicating with each other to where we don't piss each other off now when we call the other one out, I guess is probably the, the best way to say it. There, there was times in the past where Joe and I would butt heads and we'd argue and it would blow up. And now we're very, we're very good at keeping everything very, very friendly and, and working well. So I think that that partnership is a big factor. I think Joe and I will will be like, dude, that's not you're not being yourself right now. And so we call each other out a lot. And I think that is a big piece of it. And I, I think just listening back to our own podcast and, and listening to our own interviews and stuff and and going, I don't even know who this person is who's doing this interview. I, I think just having those realizations over time have it's a process. It, it, it's not something that I feel like there was any like major pivot. It was just over time, it, these realizations came out, maybe like some psychedelics and things were involved at some <laughs> points. And we had realizations maybe. along the way, but it, it, it's been a, a, a slow journey to get to where we're really good at communicating with each other. We're really good at calling each other out on each other's bullshit. We, we've gotten really good at being like, dude, what are you doing? That's not who you are. Why are you trying to do that? And, and it's just been that process. I, I'm not sure if I have a better way to describe it though. No, I, I do it and like to full circle it. And it comes down to, you even talked about moving it consistently hey becoming aware but staying in action and i think Mm. that for me as like similar journeys that all of us have gotten here is even in the starting stopping from joe's side is i used to be going and i would get hit with the feedback and i would like freeze and i'm like what do i do and i would retract back and get into this self-sabotaging behavior until i had to compensate come back out like a rocket cannon and then do it all again. And finally, I think the move to Montana was the nail in the coffin that that belief is gone. Like I've worked through that. But yeah, I hear having a group of somebody, accountability partner, somebody in your life of value who sees you at your potential, not at your current state, that also has the safety in the space for you to bump ideas off of. And, and I think for me as an entrepreneur, like I'm in this office in Montana, in this giant office alone. And there's so <laughs> many times I think in entrepreneurship that we can hide behind our keyboard or our phone and get like literally isolated in. And then we're measuring ourselves against our own limiting beliefs. And we're yeah. like, oh. It's like an echo chamber, right? Yeah. Like you're not getting the feedback and you forget there's humans out there that you can actually reach out to connect with. George, you were the one on our podcast. You're like, it's humans you're sending emails to on the other side of the screen. Yeah. I'm like, fucking duh. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are more people not talking about this? Let's just well, be, and you're not alone. You're nev- never alone. I want to add something too. like one of the things that I realized this was through just like the use of social media and stuff is when I would post stuff to Facebook, I used to just only share the wins. I would talk about, hey, look how many downloads we got on our show. Look how big this launch did for us. Look how much money we made. I would just share off all the uh, share all the wins and stuff. And you'd get people that are like, eh, congrats. And you'd get the likes on it and stuff. But where I really got high engagement on social media was when I shared the struggles, right? Like there, there was one time where Joe and I were actually at a networking event and I, I'm a fairly introverted person and I struggle with social anxiety when there's a lot of people around. And I actually fainted in the middle of a networking event. I was just walking. I wasn't drinking. I just had a water in my hand and I just collapsed and fainted because the anxiety got the best of me. And I shared of that story on Facebook and it's the most liked, commented on, the most support messages I ever received through PMs. And I feel like sharing this sort of like authentic truth that really happened to me was this catalyst for people wanting to reach out and support. And it was in maybe that was a big pivotal moment for me, but it was in moments like that where I realized like, why am I only sharing this stuff? People need to see the 
the bad just as much as they need to see the good. People need mm-hmm. to to see, look, like we might on the podcast at times have this persona that we've got shit figured out. Mm-hmm. I think the reason people really follow us and gravitate to our podcast now is they'll listen to it, realize these guys don't have their shit figured out. That's why they have a podcast <laughs> in the first place. True story. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally. And that's such a, a valid point. I think I, I, I did that too. And it, it, it was like I had to portray this quote unquote social media life. And it was like mm-hmm. the pressure of that starts to break. And it would start to break me because the measuring stick was always getting higher and the line was always moving. And then I felt like I was waking up every day to live a life that wasn't mine. And then I was like over here secretly. And I had the same experience. It was like once I told the world like, hey, today sucked. I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't want to get out of bed. I even did it this morning. And I was like, but I got to make a choice. And it's really freeing at that same time. But it also is a really big authentic pivotal moment like with your audience like being who we are and I think all of us are figuring it out it's the amount Mm. of time and experience we get into so I absolutely love that so I'm gonna go another way because I'm normally here by now but I'm I'm actually curious because I don't know how you two ended up working together so (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Joe what I'd love to hear from for you is what got you started on this entrepreneurial journey and you can go short version long version and then how did you get here and what is here yeah Part of that is, uh, and you'll see my messy uh, closet over there, but that guitar, just guitars in general, so music. That's how I got the creative bug. And that came from my dad's old guitar. And Matt and we eventually met through mutual friends through the music scene and just being in the mix of things. So we had a lot of mutual friends going into things. Going through school and high school was like this kind of pivotal point where I started to break out of my shell and actually get a lot more self-confidence and get in front of people and show the fuck up and actually speak my voice. Going on stage with a guitar, it felt like this... I don't know. It was just like my weapon or this thing. There's a new, it's almost like you step Beyonce has Sasha Fierce or used to with the emo hair back in the day with a freaking guitar. I'm like, I can do this. This is fun. I don't think I've ever <laughs> explained it this way before, but eventually our singer, uh, his name's Cameron. And he, he introduced me to Matt. It was some random party and his wife, you know, Matt's wife, Alana was there too. And we just hit it off and Uh, I think it just lingered from there, but I was working at Famous Footwear at the time over here in San Diego, and uh, Matt's mom walked into the store one day. I was behind the register. I was helping her out, and uh, she's like, yeah, Matt's mom. I'm like, oh, cool. Hi, Matt's mom, and I was just doing my thing, and she's like, you know what? You'd be really cool to work at our place. I'm like, fuck you. Give me a lot of this shit. I don't want to be Ted Bundy for the rest of my life. She basically got me a... Ted, Ted Bunny, um, Al Bundy, <laughs> Al Bundy. Yeah, don't know, not Ted Bunny. In shoes, shoe world, which is like what I always called it. But and so I got the job with Matt, and then essentially we ended up just chatting, working in the company. But someone gave us the book uh, "Rich Dad Poor Dad," mm-hmm. and it was one of the guys that worked at the uh, the company there. Because Matt and I, he realized we were interested in doing something more than just an hourly kind of job. We wanted, uh, we were more creative than that. We're both techie, Matt and I individually building websites and stuff when we were younger. But we just combined our our interests. And I was into the health stuff, food space with another side job. And Matt was has always been in the financial and you can tell the story, Matt. But so that's how <laughs> we started with blogging and in those two categories. And I would say we did more curated content from what we learned. And then we just kind of uh, we just shared that interest of sharing the content and the things that we learned. And we realized we can make money with this. And it was doing all that kind of on the after hours at the office or even during hours. And when stuff was quiet, we were just like, I was going to read some forums and some blogs and over here. 
And it just spiraled from there. We just had a good time and we never took it super seriously. We'd always like to have fun in the process. And I feel like that's always carried over into what we do now is we're not having fun throughout this whole thing. We ain't going to grow and we're not going to stick with it consistently. There's probably more to the story, Matt. What am I leaving out? Because all the details. I mean, there's only 20 years of history. Sure. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a short story, Brad. I don't know. Yeah, Matt's yeah. version. My version is pretty much, so I grew up in an entrepreneur family. So my parents were entrepreneurs. They started a shutter company. It's actually, if, if I'm being totally honest, it's something that I've almost been a little self-conscious about. This is something we could probably talk about in a little bit, mm. is that I don't, I never really grew up with any like struggles. I never really grew up with like the limiting belief that starting a business was hard because I saw it, right? Like I was immersed in it. My family had a business. They took the leap. They left their day job and started something from scratch and built it up to a multi-million dollar company. And so I never had these limiting beliefs that going and starting a, a business would be hard. So when we decided to start a business, I didn't even feel like there was that much of a huge like pressure decision around it. I just went, eh, I don't like what I'm doing anymore. So let's go start a business. And and it's actually something that I, I'm, I've been my own head about. Like, I almost feel like I don't have a really great origin story because my origin story is growing up in a middle-class family that was an entrepreneur family. And I was always around other entrepreneurs and like entrepreneurship was just kind of life for me. So it's interesting in that way. But yeah, I worked for the Shutter Company. I got to know Joe because we were both in bands at the time. And my buddy Cameron from high school was in a, a band with Joe. And that's how we got connected. And my mom ran into him at Famous Footwear and hired him over to our company. And in the, the sort of off hours, after hours at work, after two, three o'clock in the afternoon, Joe and I would work on our blogs a little bit and make some some money. And it was around 2009 when, when both Joe and I left the shutter company. So my parents actually sold the company. I ended up with a new boss. I realized this really sucks working for somebody else. I'd worked for my family all the way up until that point. And so when the, the company sold and this new boss took over, I went, I don't like this guy. I'm out. And I quit the company and started our online business and went full-time blogger from 2009 on. Yeah, that's, I guess, my side of events. <laughs> I literally just wrote a note and I'm going to say this in the middle. It's like how a mom shoe shopping turned into the business matchmaker. There you yeah, go. That's what <laughs> happened. It's true. <laughs> like she's out poaching people like, hey, you're selling shoes. You know what? You'd be really good over here. And then, you, shutters. Yeah. and then you get here. And so then that led in. And so when did you guys, what was the business evolution together? What was the, you did that together? Like, when did you guys launch the podcast? How'd you decide to do a show? Like, how did that all come about? Yeah. So we actually did our first podcast in 2010. It was called the Online Whoa. Income Podcast. Jeez, bro. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Uh, we actually have a, like a picture of us recording that podcast in my living room somewhere. Mm. And I went and pulled some old mattresses into the living room so that we can raise the mics up to like mouth volume. And like one microphone, they were both USB mics. One was plugged into my computer. One was plugged into Joe's computer. And like we both recorded separate audio tracks. And then later we threw them both into like a audacity or something and overlapped them and synced them. And it, and that's how we did our podcast 11 years ago. We started that podcast. That one only made it about three or four episodes. We took like a year break and then decided we should try this <laughs> podcasting thing again. We had another podcast that lasted 13 episodes. I have another year break on the podcast. Eventually I started uh, podcasting on my own. I made it about 60 episodes and then I went, I miss having a co-host. And then Joe and I, <laughs> circled back around and started Hustle and Flowchart. And Hustle and Flowchart has been going since 2017 in its current form. But as far as the Lord, business goes, 
Yeah, that whole start and stop thing, George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really yeah. wish we kept the podcast going since 2010. We'd be totally different place. Yeah, we still tell people we've been podcasting since 2010. We just don't tell them there's been a lot of gaps in there. But yeah, as far as the business goes, Joe and I, we we had these parallel paths that would intersect for a little while, and then they would be parallel paths again, and then they'd intersect. So I started by selling online courses around blogging. So when we were both working at the Shutter Company. I had uh, Joe and I started our, our finance blog and our personal finance blog, and we ramped them up to where they were making a few hundred bucks a month. And so when I left that company, I decided I'm going to go create a course on how I made these blogs and how we got it up to a few hundred dollars a month. And so I, I created a course called the WordPress Classroom. At the same time, Joe was doing some other video stuff, and he was he was like, like agency type services doing videos for other people. And so we supported each other and helped each other. And then we had our kind of podcasts and content that we did together, but we had separate businesses. And it kind of ran like that all the way up until 2017 when when we decided, let's, well, no, I'm kind of getting my timeline wrong. 2013 was when Joe and I recombined and started an agency together to do content marketing and funnel building and pretty much to do anything anybody wanted from us, right? If the paycheck was big enough, we'll figure out how to do it for you. So we were doing funnel building. We were doing SEO. We were doing advertising. We were doing content marketing. We were doing just like anything for people. And that started in 2013. 2017 was when we started the podcast. Now I feel like I'm just jumping around all over the place. So Joe, if you want to fill in any of the gaps, go for it. (laughs) I do want to go back actually all the way to uh, something that we didn't cover, which was investing in the first coaching program. And remember both mm. of us, I remember you and I, this is before we quit our jobs, broke as a joke, at least I was. I was not doing a lot there and financially, and it was $1,000 for this coaching program. And Matt and I were like, oh, we got to ask the wives and approach this because this is our way in, man. We need to do this. And we knew there was a, a community element part of this. We're like, cool, we're going to start networking with more entrepreneurs and feel like this is a little bit more straight line approach. So one over the wives, luckily. And I felt like that was one of those like, all right, we're just jumping into this thing. And it gave us a lot more confidence. But I just wanted to clarify a couple of things because, yeah, we've always been together as business partners sometimes, but always supporters. I feel like we're always getting our back no matter what. We've always been able to bounce feedback back and forth to each other. Matt and I have... I don't know, it's just like this, it's really cool to have someone that you do trust and you've shared this journey, but we haven't always been in the same business together. Matt said, I my first entry into really making money online was creating sales videos like VSLs, launch videos for online products. First one was called Easy Webinar, or sorry, Easy Video Player, which now is it's the same guy that, that created uh, Thrivecart. Josh Bartlett. And I owe him a lot of gratitude because he, he trusted me and he's, I already had some video skills and stuff previously, just screwing around with keynote and graphics and stuff. So I just applied that to, Hey, let's make a message that's actually persuasive and start selling some stuff. So he let me do that. I probably charged him nothing close to nothing, but then he started referring me out like crazy. And that's where I realized, Oh shit, I really like working with people and solving problems, but using this kind of skill set. So doing all these video launches and things for people in the online marketing space, then I just started getting referred out like crazy to people. And I've always had that element. That's when I started to discover, oh, that's my lane is like networking and just getting creative with what people are looking for. That's probably part of the issue when Matt was saying we had an agency that did everything. I had a lot of referrals coming in and that kind of plays into what Matt and I, how we play now is 
I'm still that kind of guy, whereas Matt <laughs> is a lot more of the systems and, hey, here's the content plan. I'm more of the connector and, hey, let's see how we can collaborate together with other folks and works nice with the podcast can lead to some distracting things, but that's kind of like how our parallel paths have always. I love worked. it. It's like Matt became a part of your process of like idea dissemination or di- dis- mm. dis- distillation down. It's you get to come play up in your world, which is like me, right? Everybody yeah. will go on stage and we do yeah. this. And then normally it's like, how do we ideate that process? Well, Matt becomes a part of that process. Exactly. And so you guys do it and you work well together. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the, f- the most streamlined approach, but it, <laughs> hey, dude, it's, it's been fun though. Yeah. It's the one that works. Like at the end of yeah. the day, like we all have a tool bag, and I'm like, just have tools in it that you enjoy using that will work. Like it doesn't mm. matter what it looks like to get there. Yeah. I don't care what order you do it. Just use the tools, and I love it. And you might have um, the story of the shortest podcast in existence. <laughs> <laughs> hey now, four episodes. I love. <laughs> hey, you're trying it. You're trying it. And it, it ended up here, which is actually really great i would actually love obviously everybody on this show has heard me on your show because i i yeah. shared the episode but will you share just a little bit about the show like why you do the show what you love about the show what's your favorite part of doing the show and what are you guys really striving to help people with entrepreneurs with stuff like that i want to let's take it back to why we even started the show That's so we place. yeah we had this newsletter still do but it's now a different form called the evergreen profits uh, letter and essentially Matt and I were creating like 30 something pages every single month of unique content in this thing. And we scaled it to a point where it was doing well. It was about $100 a month is what we were charging at the peak. And we just had a problem scaling it. And we just, there's something in us. Matt has created a ton of online products and we're just like, we want to open up the floodgates and get this content that we think is really good and helpful because we hear the feedback from folks. But we want to give it to more people and spread it to the world and not have it behind a paywall. So that's where Matt was already doing the podcast. And he's like, hey, you want to be a co-host? And we ideated on that for a while and we saw what we were currently doing. And we're like, well, shit, I think that would actually bring a lot of awareness to what we're doing here. I don't know where it's going to go. We we're already doing affiliate marketing stuff. So we figured... Let's do the hustle oh, you know, podcast. We called it hustle and flowchart. And we realized, okay, we have a really cool network. We're really connected. And a lot of the, the the people that I was clients with were some of our preliminary, our first guests. Matt already had a bunch of previous guests too. It started with that motivation is to give more than we ever have before. And trust that <laughs> through the giving, we're going to create enough awareness, a branding and community around us, a connection relationships to these folks that are actually going to stick with us and listen to us. And we'll see where it goes from there. We knew affiliate marketing was supporting us at the time but from that's why we're passionate to do the giving part. Matt, I know I want to hear your thoughts here because that was just the very beginning. And then from there, it's just been an evolution of the podcast itself. Yeah, yeah. No, I would say over time, the motivations have actually shifted multiple times, actually. But yeah, in the beginning, we had this newsletter and it was between 30 and 40 pages every single month. And we were writing all of that content ourselves. 100% of it was written by us. I think maybe one of the months we had like a guest expert coming in the content, but we were essentially writing like a 40 page mini book every month. And we actually fell in love with that content. We loved what we were putting in the newsletter. We were like, holy crap, this is the best content we've ever created. And it ate us up inside that 200 people were seeing what we felt was the best content we've ever created. And we're like, this just doesn't feel right that 
we we're so passionate about this information we're putting into this world and so few people are seeing it and that was actually the the catalyst for it for the podcast like joe said but over time it it did shift there was like a phase of the podcast where we went you know what we don't have a ton of listeners yet this was like early on still let's just be totally selfish with the podcast let's leverage this podcast as a way to get free consulting out of all the people that we think are really smart. So we just started chasing up people that had the solutions to problems we had in our business. When we were trying to figure out Facebook ads and and really go deep on that, we had five or six different Facebook ad experts on over the course of a couple months. When we were trying to figure out how to get better copy on our website, we interviewed a bunch of copywriters all in the same month. And we were just totally looking to bring on people that could give us information that would support our business with the realization that if it helped us, it would help anybody who's tuning into the podcast as well. And during that phase where we just kind of got selfish and we just went, let's just solve the problems that we have in our own business and let other people listen in to people giving us that advice. That was probably the largest stretch of growth we've ever had in our podcast. That was the time when our podcast just grew by leaps and bounds and people started talking about it. People started sharing it. And that was probably also the evolution where we started to realize, hey, if we just focus on what we want out of this podcast and we don't try to be other people and we don't try to uh, sound like other interviewers and we're not trying to model the same types of questions as other shows and we're just trying to do our own thing, that was where we saw all the growth. And to some extent, that's still our philosophy. We still bring on people that we're looking for solutions to the problems they bring. Just yesterday, we did an interview with Molly Mahoney because we're trying to figure out how to get better at engaging with our Facebook groups and she's a master at it. So we brought her on to pick her brain about what we should do to get better with engaging in our Facebook group. So that's still a big piece of the motivation. But another piece that we've recently added in is how do we make this just an absolute blast for us? How do we make it so we love what we do every single day? Because there was a point in the podcast where it started to feel like monotonous for us. We were we were interviewing people about their business tactics. And every day we'd get on the show and it was somebody breaking down their Facebook tactic, their YouTube tactic, their SEO tactic. And for listeners, I think it was good content. For us, it started to feel very monotonous. So we added like a new filter into the podcast and went, if we're not having fun, we need to start re-angling this and, and redirecting what we're doing with the podcast. And so now one of our biggest filters is how do we make sure that these episodes are going to be a blast for us? So we are pumped to go and record them because we're big proponents of the idea that there's no specific destination that we're shooting for we want to have fun on this ride where it ends up that's wherever it ends up i'm sure we're going to be happy with the destination Mm -hmm. but it's more important that we enjoy this journey right now because who knows we may not ever make it to said destination so Mm -hmm. that's been the big focus now is a still being selfish and solving problems that we have in our own business and solving problems we know that our customers and our listeners have brought up to us solving problems on their behalf as well but also just making sure it's always a blast yeah, that, just so everybody listen, that's like the deepest life lesson ever that you just shared, like falling in love <laughs> with the journey and not the destination. Like my brain is, I, I have the same thing. I do two shows a week, one me, one them, but we just changed the structure of the show. And we mm-hmm. changed the structure of the show because it was getting monotonous to me. Like I had a gap in the beginning, like episode 80 or so, where I was like, but I'm in the middle of a move and getting ready to go. So like, there was natural resistance. But then I was like, oh, I really don't want to do those. And then I was like, what if I combine those two episodes into one? That's so much more fun to me. And now I'm yeah. like having a blast. And it's my team. You never celebrate wins. I'm like, you know what? 
I don't. Like, I'm going to start reading people's reviews on the show so I can celebrate my own win. And I'm just trying to find ways to, like, make it be my personality while Mm. also delivering value. I love it. But the biggest challenge I would have with how you just do interviews is I would interview all these people. I'm like, what do I put into practice first? Like, okay, that's how I do Facebook ads. Uh, And that's where Matt comes in because Joe's like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> right? I'm getting yeah. better, bro. <laughs> yeah, and if if you listen to our show now, that's an that was actually a format change that we made uh what, maybe 6 months ago now where mm-hmm. where we started doing our show in two segments now. So every episode now is like an hour and 15, hour and a half and before they were between 45 minutes an hour. And the reason the length doubled on the show is the first half of the show now is an interview. And the second half of every single episode now is me and Joe discussing what we just learned, what our takeaways were, and even to some extent calling people out on their bullshit. We've had people (laughs) that came on the show, we interviewed them, and then afterwards we're like, yeah, I don't agree with what he said on there. And and so we'll actually have discussions around, around the interview we just had. And yesterday's a great example. We actually had a podcast with this guy named Jackson Milan. And he talked about essentially enjoying the journey. He's got a book, I believe, called Enjoy the Journey. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, we ended up doing just as long of what we call a therapy session as we did the interview session, right? So there's the interview section and the therapy section of the episodes. And our second half of the show, I actually feel is probably going to be more valuable to our listeners than the interview itself, just hearing our sort of takeaways and our insights and our ahas and the things we agreed with and the things that we disagreed with that he said, I feel like that portion of the show is almost just as value, if not more valuable than the main interview content these days. Yeah. And I want to go back really quick to with the format change and George, what you said about all the input of tactics and strategies and new perspectives, which we received just a load of them with this new format change where Matt and I are now, you know, doing this banter section. That's what we call it. It's like minimum 10 minutes, but some of them like yesterday, what was like 25 minutes or something like that. And I feel like that allows us to see what the things are that stick out, but also it's almost like a dopamine hit. Like we just let it out to the world. It's almost if we kept it to ourselves. I bet these potentially shiny object things or these tactics will swirl even more so in our minds. And that could maybe lead to inaction to something we really should be doing because we're still thinking about what this dude Jackson told us or whoever else, Molly, about something in the group. I'm like, okay, she says to do a bunch of live streams. Oh, does that mean we need to do a bunch of live streams? No. (laughs) But if we talk about it, we almost let that, I guess, the gratification or like that piece out. I don't know what it's called, but it feels like we're able to work through what might seem most exciting to us. and feel like afterwards, if it still feels really exciting to us, or it feels like we found a place through Matt and I's conversation, because we're constantly saying how, oh, yeah, I could see how that works in our business or somewhere else. I feel like that's like where we shake out what we just learned and see if there's something we should actually pursue. Yeah, I, I love that. I'm like sitting over here. I was like, there's the parts of me that I was like, God, I want to co-host so I can just bullshit back and forth. But then there's also, also bro. I, I was like, we're doing it today. But I was like, there's also a part of me that loves the Monday show now because it's I stick a quarter in myself and it feels really good to just download and get it out. And I'll share this with everybody. There'll be times I'm recording. Is anybody going to listen to this? Like who wants to listen to me? Pump my gums. I feel like I'm standing in a mirror talking to myself. Um, <laughs> 
But I also get like a release about it. I get clarity by it. And I love that you guys basically talk about and fully bake and marinate on what you had and share your distinctions and your takeaways, which is one of the best ways to solidify learnings. Because then it's if it comes up again, you're like, oh, no, we really have to pay attention to this. And if it disappears, you weren't supposed to remember it anyways. And so that's awesome. So now I have a question about the co-host side because I think this is always really interesting. So as you guys have been doing this together, what's been the most challenging part? of having a co-host. This will go back. This goes to just working together with someone. I think there's that, but it's understanding ourselves. I alluded to it earlier is the thing that I wish I focused on a little bit more is first understanding who I am, where my natural talents are, my superpowers, where I, the shit that I just hate or that just drives me nuts and spins my wheels. If I'm spinning my wheels, I'm not in flow and that's probably not the best thing for me. Or like ways that things might affect me in terms of, there's certain ways that you might be approached with a question or uh, feedback. And I know I've had to learn through just everyone is different. So doing things like those self-assessments, there's all the, the disc assessment, the, with the Enneagram, all those, the Colby, like it wasn't really until we started doing those individually, but also then combining our results together and seeing how different we really are with our personalities, but we do share a vision. Like there's this overlap of where we are going, but we, without the understanding of ourselves and how we actually combine how we talk with each other, what we're working on, how we're working, why we're doing things. That was like a total burst of clarity for us. And then it was just communicating with each other and figuring out how to make this thing work. Yeah. 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 Is that the same for you, Matt? Yeah, I, I would say just from like a more, from a mental uh, perspective, I, I would totally agree with that. From actual recording the podcast perspective, in the, the beginning, I think there was times where Joe and I, one of us might change the subject on the interview before the other one was ready for the subject to change. I might still have some questions and Joe might steer in the other direction or vice versa. But I, I do feel that, I don't know, that hasn't really been an issue for a couple of years now. And it's, and I, I can't really describe why. I think it's just, there's been this mind meld that's just happened because we've done it for so long now that Free. Joe never changes the <laughs> subject before I'm ready. And I never change the subject before Joe is ready. And um, Joe will seem to change the subject into a different thing. And when he does, in my mind, I'm always like, prepared to move on to the next thing and this there's this weird sort of like mind reading thing that we have between us now where we just know who should take the next question who should take the next answer when we should steer off to the next next question next topic and it, it's actually bizarre it's we're very well timed up now but i do think that we weren't always in timing in the very beginning for the first like maybe year and a half of the show. But now it's just like this bizarre, freaky. We both know exactly where this conversation's going now. Yeah, well, dude, no, George. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, really quick. You brought yeah. up codependence earlier and that <laughs> shit used to be in our head. Actually, bring Matt on the screen. Here yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think looking at myself. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> there it is again. All right, you guys ready for therapy? Here we go. <laughs> feel like I do that every day <laughs> in a form, uh, in a good way. But yeah, there's a weird mind meld that like when it happens, man, I just look at each other and like, what the fuck just happened again? <laughs> and, and it'll happen all over the way, not just in podcasting, of course, but I don't know. It was just like, I feel like there is this thing that happens over time when you, you do got to understand yourself first, obviously, like really understand what are the the things that are going to trigger, just speaking to me, I knew these things that would keep me in my head, which 
then would, I don't know, it just, it doesn't feel good unless you're like, okay, let's remove all that crap that does not matter. Let's communicate it. Let's get on the same page. This is our mission. We're in this together. Let's fucking rock this and make it the best thing we possibly can and have fun with it. And I, I feel like just letting down all the, the things that, all these structures and things that we thought had to be perfect and just be us. And that's yeah. when things just shifted. And then now we have bigger plans to even go and amplify the fun level and go even crazier with shit because like we see it's possible. But before I feel like without that, we were just holding on too tight to the way that we think this thing should be individually yeah. and not as a collective group. There's some weird like mirror neuron like woo-woo shit going on between us because it, it's it's really bizarre. I'm being totally serious right now. Like I could be in a I could wake up and be in a pissed off mood all day long, not talk to Joe at all, give Joe a call and find out that he's been in a weird pissed off mood all day today too. And we're just like totally in this weird sink where if I'm just like totally in flow and just like a happy mood, great day, everything's going good, and I talk to Joe later on he's almost always in the same sort of like flow as I am. And it's just this weird, bizarre thing where there is some sort of like alignment that happens between us that there's nothing scientific that I can explain about it, but it happens. And it's just George weird, might so. know. I don't know. <laughs> actually, it's funny as Stefanos. I think you guys know Stefanos Stefanos. He's one of my business yeah. partners. He actually, it's funny. He said this to me once. It's, he called it homosexual telepathy, like masculine and masculine <laughs> telepathy. But we did this for a month. Like we were spending a lot of time to do breath work together, facilitating together, recording podcasts together. And I'd be like, hey, man, anytime you're just thinking about me, text me number one. And anytime I'm thinking about you, I'll text you number two. And it was mind blowing. Like he's in Texas. I'm here. And he texts me and I was like, bro, what? I was just about to text. But it actually is real. What is it? Like eight or 9% of communication is verbal and the rest is nonverbal. But you mm -hmm. do start to recognize those energetic patterns. Like I completely get it. And as you guys are sharing, like what, what's exciting to me is you guys are close business partners, but everybody listening to this, like this is how you relate and you succeed in, with your team, with your employees, even with your customers. Have self-awareness, have a shared vision or a common goal and have the ability to communicate. And I wrote this earlier. I had to type this down because... When you guys said this earlier, I said, what did I say? Oh, how prioritizing the human over the business will always mm. lead to success. And it was just like what I'm hearing you say is like bringing that when you get that level of self-awareness in, you're then able to bring an empathy or compassion to the other person. And Oh, we cut it off earlier. But you can't figure out what that common ground or as Jonah Berger calls the movable middle is to meet in. And it's absolutely beautiful to witness what's gonna happen is you guys are gonna get into creepy territory soon they're gonna <laughs> what, what's coming my man be the psychic dude i'd like i i can't even like i've been with stefanos before or like i'll be sitting somewhere and i was like how what like he'll just <laughs> pop out he'll send me an audio message like two minutes and i was like bro i'm three thousand miles away how are you in my head like right mm. now like in this mm. moment like i was out on a run crying having this and then i get a ting and it's him talking and i was like how yeah. and it happens a lot with my kids a lot more i'm sure you've noticed that joe i'll be like oh my god something's off and then i pick the kid up from school and it's that time of the day something mm. happened and you're like whoa and then i just it mm. reminds me of like how small i am and i love that like how insignificant yeah. but how powerful so i'm all about it i'm all about it and it's, I'm, it's happened we even george with you you oh, texting sure. me and and i think it's probably a, it's creepy it's not creepy it's amazing once you i guess after we get past the creepiness you just totally it and you're like how fucking cool is it i and i don't i 
the Mind of George show does not condone the use or recommend the use of any altering illegal substance. But let's talk <laughs> about psychedelics for a minute oh. because for me, it was mind-blowing for me. Like when I used medicine and plant medicine in the jungle to help with my PTSD and all this other stuff, like things like witnessing my own birth and then calling mm. my mother and being able to name who was in the room. I was like, oh. yo, like – I've never talked what, about that or like what did you do by chance if you're like the medicine so that was ayahuasca okay gotcha so here's I'll share I actually have never talked about this but I'll share it now with the three of us I got I, some stuff I'll share too yeah, recently perfect. like but, yeah. yeah and like I had been struggling I'd already attempted suicide I'd been the most depressed I'd ever been I was hospitalized like I was post-military and I, it was just I was already successful in New York Times it was done like I was done it was horrible I was overdosing on opiates like and I had done Cognitive behavioral therapy, EMDR, prolonged exposure, breath work. Like I had done all of this and EMDR got me out of the hole and that mm -hmm. was consistent for two years and I just felt called to do something different. It scared the poop out of me, but I ended mm -hmm. up going and I'll never forget like I had this belief. I'm probably going to cry. I had this belief that I was broken. Like mm -hmm. you can't do what I did in the military or come from the childhood that I came from and be a decent human. You can't hurt people like I hurt people and be okay. I was like, no, I'm broken. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with me, blah, 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 blah. And I'll never forget the first night because that first trip was, was four experiences over five nights. First night I felt nothing. And I was like, yep, see, it doesn't even work on me. Like I'm that. And I was literally like, I'm that fucked up. That is yeah. like what I told myself. And I was in breakdown. And then night two came and it was like this, oh, beautiful, rainbows, unicorns. And I was like, yay, this is easy. And then I got really cocky about it. And night three came and I basically died. Um, and that night had more like NDEs in one experience. Like I had to come to terms with my addiction. And so I buried myself in my father's grave because my father's an addict and passed away from cancer to beat my addiction. And then the moment that happened, I was reborn. And mm. this is what my reborn was. It wasn't psychedelic. Like I was watching my birth on December 27th of 1983 when my mom fell, which put her into labor. I was literally in the hospital room watching and I watched my own birth. And when I came out, they held me up and it paused. And I turned from a baby into a strand of DNA. And there were broken parts of my DNA and they were all melded back together to be perfectly clean. And then I reappeared as a clean baby and I literally was the happiest I'd ever been. Wow. And I literally, I don't have a close relationship with my mom. I didn't talk to her for 15 years in my life and I mended it and healed it and protected it. But I didn't have a childhood with my parents. I know nothing. Like I have no kid memories, no kid photos, no nothing. And so I called my mom and I was like, I'm going to run this by you. Just tell me if I'm weird. I was like, was this person in the room? This person? I could see their name tags. I could see who it was. And she's like, yeah, I must have told you. I was like, yeah, you did. And then I just had to sit with it for seven days. I just had to sit with it. I literally witnessed my birth. I knew who was in the room, where they were standing, when they came in, like what happened in like vivid detail. And I could see it all. But it was a massive experience for me. And Bro, wow. that was the day. Like that experience is what opened me up to myself because really my healing was stunted because of my lack of self-awareness and my shame and guilt and, and self-loathing right and so then I was hurting my wife and hurting my kids because I was hurting myself and so that it wasn't like I left there and I'm like oh it's great I left there and I felt ripped open raw and 
on paper would be considered depressed for six months because then I got to sit and actually mm. feel all the pain. I had to feel my pain, the pain I caused in my marriage and my kids. And then that's where I started to really realize like how interconnected feelings mm. is and emotions are and the people that we love and are close to. And so that that's my first time I've ever shared that. That's just one of them. But wow. yeah, that was it. How cool, man. Yeah, same, dude. Made, like, Thank me, you for sharing. I'm like sweating talking about it right now. <laughs> My palms got a little sweaty, but that's a good thing, man. All So I said I would share something. I actually have not shared my most recent experience. I've done ayahuasca one time. If I did a sequence, that would have probably broke me open where this was years ago, but just last month. So, George, I can relate so much on the whole guilt, shame, all that stuff, because I honestly, the last year and a half is George, but actually it's, I don't know if it was like right when I met you or right after, but my dad committed suicide. And then three weeks later, my daughter was born. I was like, and all this other stuff. I lost a best friend, maybe six months prior to all this too. It, it was just shitty. A lot of subconscious stuff I didn't understand and confuse, but it was about last month. Yeah, it's been a bit about a month and a half. I did a five MEO DMT and <laughs> I feel reborn. I'll just say that I have new eyes and I can relate to what you just said in that there's this baggage that I knew I was carrying around and I was stunted. I felt like I was avoiding a lot of people, even friends, family, just not getting back to people that I know I should be reaching out to, or at least keeping the communication open. We were in lockdown too. So there's a lot of this stuff happening all at once. And yeah, I, it, I, I did this experience and have you done, you don't need to dispel everything, George, but <laughs> I'm sure you're aware of what 5-MEO is. I'm and... very aware and I haven't just done 5-MEO. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. I'm happy I did it. <laughs> I'll just say that. But it was, it felt like I was on a rocket ship to someone. So I'll just describe it in this way. It was very simple. It was only a 15 minute thing and experience. So ayahuasca is very long. I know that it, it's five, six hours and beyond probably. But yeah, this is very quick. But so I got into it and kind of anxious, all that stuff. But I remember, okay, I had my you know little bracelet with my dad's, some of his ashes on there. So I was like, you know what? And I was, my intention was to let that go because I felt like that was holding me back in everything and especially my relationship and then business as well. And I felt like I was showing up in just it, a lot of lack everywhere. And I even brought this up to, it was in masterminds. And I remember Roland Frazier actually, in one of our masterminds, there was talking about all these problems. And he's, you know what the problem is? It's right here. It's all mindset. And I'm just like, no, it's fucked up. Like <laughs> something, and I, and I don't, I asked you about EMDR actually yeah. uh, a few months ago. Still got to do it, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but this thing, holy crap. So what it did is, I just said, hey, I want to go sink in and hang out where you're at, Pops. I just want to see you for a little bit. And my intention was to let go of the guilt on him and what I felt was put on me emotionally to my family, all this stuff and beyond. So did it. And basically, the thing just brought so much calm and peace. It heightens all of your senses to every extreme possible. Sound, feeling, vision, everything in between, and taste. And I just remember everything just got super bright white in, in terms of my senses and my body uncontrollable in terms of like just electric charge everywhere. It just made me feel for the first time in a long time. And it brought every possible sense to its heightened peak. And then finally, the piece that in this, because this is basically the death experience. I feel like I felt like I died because that's what it 
basically does. And when you die, you get this little shoot of our big shoot of DMT. We all have it in our minds, our brains. And I had to let go. And that was the most, the ultimate letting go experience was me taking a big, deep breath. And the shaman administrator guy was coached me through it. And I finally just was kicking around and all that stuff. I'm like, <sighs> it was just that feeling of letting go. Like I've never done before. Everything heightened. And all of a sudden, very quickly, nothing blackness darkness everything was still it was one it was peace and i just remember the the last thought i had consciously was wow this is what it's like to just be and not worry no guilt no shame nothing caring it's just being and i remember coming back and it was just the biggest goofiest smile and i talked about it and, it, and it's lasted that's the crazy thing and it allowed me to see that it was actually guilt that was really holding me back across the board and it just showed up it reared its head in so many different ways and that's actually allowed me to really uncover and let go of like my dad's stuff doesn't really phase me at all anymore is fucking horrific and i know it was translating into every piece of my life but it doesn't serve i feel evolved i've been joking to matt actually matt now his his code name is eflow it's his uh, wolf <laughs> backwards i'm joe evolved like i i literally feel i just feel like i'm a new freaking person i have new eyes i feel like there's just it's crazy man and yeah yeah so that that's my story there and it's it's just it's okay <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you sharing. I, this is something that came up and I love that we're here. I was texting with Stephanos a couple weeks ago because a lot of people listen to us know, like I live in Montana now. We moved. We like did an entire reset and like I'm definitely home. Like I belong here. <clears throat> I'm never leaving. My wife jokes like she's taking the kids on vacation. It's like, what state are you going to? She's in California. I'm like, oh, I'm not coming. <laughs> Not, <laughs> like I'm not coming. Like, I'm not leaving. Like I'm not at all. She's laughing. She's taking them to our mammoth house and like Disney. I was like, I have fun. I'll be here when you get back. Glacier <laughs> National Park. But there's been a lot happening. Like I, I had a, a rough couple weeks in business. We lost a lawsuit. I had mm. personnel issues, like heavy stuff, like stuff that I was like, oh, if that was over a year, it would have stressed me. It all happened in a week. And I struggled hard and I didn't struggle because I was sad and depressed. I struggled because I was so happy. Mm. And I had this dissonance because I was like, how can all of this be going on? But yet I'm so happy. And my wife looked at me. And she's like, you're really, it's pissing me off. And I was like, why? She's like, how are you so flipping happy right now? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like pissing <laughs> rainbows and unicorns. And it wasn't that I didn't feel what was out there. And then I was just present. And so I texted Stephanos and I'll save his language because he's Australian. So he's the only word that person can say the see you next Tuesday word without getting in trouble. And he's, yeah, dude, welcome to what joy feels like. Now you mm. get to experience practicing it. And I lived so much of my life in this place where there was always something bad or something wrong or that in like a lot of my life was born out of trauma and trauma till I was 37 years old. And I was like, wow, I turned a corner, but now I have to practice being present with joy because of what I found myself doing was being happy and then looking for evidence to be mad or sad or bring guilt on because I'm like, how can I be happy if all of this is going on? Like, how am I not sad? Why am I still sleeping eight hours a night? Like, why am I still happy? I'm not overeating. I'm not. And so it's been this really beautiful part. And now I'm literally focusing on practicing joy in presence. Like, I have to remind myself, it's okay to feel this happy. Like, yeah. it's okay to be like this. Yeah. And that. It's been really interesting to be in. 
It's uh, that's such a cool topic because yeah, there is a guilt that's associated to that. It can be, and if you're not checking that, I think about how that permeates into so many pieces of your life. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, this is it's been an awakening for me, and I don't think Matt, I've even told. I mean, I've told you that story maybe, but yeah, publicly mm-hmm. we haven't really shared that. But god damn it, it's wild <laughs> the feeling. Yeah, it's interesting because I I have this weird place, and I hinted at it um, earlier. Of I have this weird place where I almost feel like I'm broken because I haven't had enough traumatic experiences. I almost feel like my story isn't worth telling, and why would people be interested in what I have to say? Because I don't have any, not that I don't, I've never had hardships. In the grand scheme of things, I haven't really had major hardships. My, my parents are still together to this day. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. I was always around entrepreneurs. I had a great middle class upbringing. I, 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 I have this weird thing where I feel like maybe my story would be more interesting. More people would be into what I'm doing if... I had more there in the background if there was more of a something I had to overcome to get to where I am today. And it's actually something that I still struggle with. I would say we did a, Joe and I actually did this one together. We did a, what was it, Joe? The the psychedelic uh, experience that we did. Oh, um, we did all sorts San of Pedro. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. One, the, the most pivotal <laughs> one was when we did San Pedro, which is mm-hmm. mescaline. And that one, I managed to shed some of that thinking throughout that session. More of what happened in in that session that we did for me was I went into it feeling, and I actually didn't realize that this this feeling was weighing me down until I was in the session, but I had this feeling that the weight of the world was like on my shoulders. Like I'm the one who had this, like this good upbringing and no no real trauma and I've, I've figured out all this tech stuff and I get the tacticals and I get the systems and I, I get what we're doing in the business and I and I felt like I was the glue that held the family together and the business together and, and all this weight was on my shoulders and that and that if I didn't show up then everything would be broken and that I have to carry this load and when I did the, the that that ceremony I like all of that was released. I, I I don't think I've cried real tears since I was like a little kid. Since I, I don't even remember ever really crying like in my life. I'm sure I did when I was like a, a younger kid. But this session, I just broke down. It ripped me open. I, I had this realization where the weight of the world isn't on your shoulders. In fact, the entire world is all in this together. We're all one big soul it's all together. And I know this is going to sound real woo-woo, but that's I'm what pretty woo-woo, does, so right? please do. We're all in this just giant soup together, and we're all just like this one being. And the only thing that's different is we each have these individual sort of souls that kind of think independently. But I realize that we're all this sort of attached single thing that – think about a computer, and a computer might have – multiple processors. It's all part of the same computer, but the processes are all processing different information and then feeding it back to the hard drive or whatever. And I felt like the world and the human race were this like giant computer and everybody was its own like sort of CPU providing data to the bigger computer, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that realization brought me to this conclusion that oh shit, we are all in this together. There's nothing that's really on my shoulders. And and that experience opened me up to actually have relationships with a lot of other people. It wasn't from that moment. It wasn't until that moment that I started getting like really comfortable opening up to other people and having uh, really sort of vulnerable conversations with people that maybe this is the first time I ever met them. I, that would have never, ever happened with me 
before that experience, but that experience and realizing that like, shit, we're all just part of the same machine. And I'm just like a little teeny piece in this machine. That realization was actually this massive weight lifted off my shoulders. And when that, that realization came across my brain, I just broke down and I cried for two hours and I was just bawling and just all emotions. And then that feeling has stuck with me ever since. I, I, I journaled it on the next day. I revisit my journal all the time. I share stories from that experience from time to time. And all of that information just like floods back. Even just me talking, I'm like, I'm getting like emotional and goosebumps. And, but Same. it's like that sort of experience of the universe basically saying, dude, it's not all on you. There's other people that have your back. So stop stressing out so much. That weight lifted off my shoulders just opened me up. Yeah. And I want to say this. I'm not a therapist. I've been through a lot of personal development. I used to teach it, but I used to think that was such an interesting concept, Matt, like all of it. And it was in a, like the beginning in a personal development course that I got broken free of that paradigm from the guy who had the story. And then I got to hear perspectively like a gestalt empty chair process. I was doing a process with somebody. I got to hear their perspective of having that. And I was like, I could have never made it with that. I wouldn't have survived with that pressure of getting A's and having this wealthy family and doing all. I was like, that sounds like hell to me. And I would take (laughs) mine like in a heartbeat. And then as I started to get deeper and deeper, deeper into the work, even Stefano says, you can't compare the traumas because the trauma looks different, but it causes the same paradigm. And Mm -hmm. I have this like really interesting belief that we basically are all, and this is just my own thinking of really deep reflective thoughts. Sometimes we're dealt a set of cards. Your cards were hold it together, way to the world, everybody's successful. I have to meet it. Mine was everybody was a shit show and I have to hold it together. But we ended Mm. up with the same belief about ourselves that mm. we have to hold it together. We can't show emotion. We have to be strong. If it's going to get done, it's up to us. And then we both took different paths. I went into the military to break it more. You did this journey. But then we all end up pursuing the same finish line, which is basically self-autonomy and self-awareness to release mm. that paradigm to then just be present. Yeah, it, it's, absolutely. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> and then I was like, God, am I raising my kids Okay. Oh my yeah. goodness. And I, I feel it's important now to actually talk about that and talk about the fact that, that it can feel traumatic to feel like there's never been any trauma. You get on YouTube or you get listen to other podcasts and you hear people tell these just um, very dramatic stories of their upbringing and how they got where they are and overcoming all the odds to get to where they are. And it makes me feel like man, I didn't have to overcome that many odds. So why does anybody care? Like, why would anybody want to listen to me? Because I didn't like I've had it. I've had it easy as from a financial standpoint. Like I've always had a roof over my head. I've always had food. I've never. I didn't have abusive parents. I didn't have like much. And 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 I think there's a lot of people out there that feel that way too. I think there's a lot of people that listen to these podcasts and watch these TV shows. And they're they're. This is the the content that that consumes them. And they look at these other lives and go, man, they've had to overcome all of this stuff and I never did. So that way, so my life is almost like lesser than those because I haven't had to overcome those. And so I think it it is important to talk about that because I do think there's a lot of other people that are out there and I've, I've struggled with like a lot of anxiety. I've struggled with depression and seemingly there should be no reason that I do because of my upbringing. There should be no reason I felt depressed, but it's almost like the depression is a result of this sort of lack of really this lack of struggles. I I, I don't know. I I don't I'm just rambling. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But (laughs) I went on on a rant 
to somebody about this two days ago. <laughs> Offline, I didn't record, I didn't do anything. But I think regardless of the entry point, what really happened is that we all end up with anxiety, depression, sadness, doubt, because we were never taught how to be expressive without it being wrong. Man mm. up, don't cry. You're bored, go play a video game. You're unhappy, eat this food. You want to disconnect, go smoke this weed, have this drink, do this, boom, boom. And like in the time that we've grown up, there's been a whole lot of very systematic numbing. And even when we were younger, it's, oh, don't cry. Scrape it off. Like, it doesn't hurt. I'm like, no, it fucking does hurt. Can I just cry for two seconds and then get back yeah. up again? Because I watch my four-year-old and he's, it hurts. I don't run over. Oh, it hurts so bad. I'm like, yeah, how does it feel? And he's, 10 seconds later, he's back up on his bike again once he mm. feels it. But I feel like what's really happening is when we choose this path of like self-awareness and growth, what we're choosing is to rediscover our ability to express emotion and the depression, the anxiety, the doubt, and all the stuff that came up was basically just from the suppression of what was happening on the inside. It's like we have a gasket exploding and we're mm. pushing it down. And we're like, oh, I wonder why I feel like shit. It's like the check True. engine lights screaming and we're like, ignore. And then we get pissed off when the engine block explodes. <laughs> and so I've been thinking about that a lot. And one thing I was going to say earlier, because Matt, it kind of led me to it on my side, my trap in my upbringing to get to this point is that I had such a story that my story became my defense mechanism and hiding place. Mm. My story became my manipulation tool. I can get your attention. I can get you to feel bad for me. I can get you to pay attention to me, but you're not me. You're not getting me. You're getting the shell of me because I'm afraid to let you in. And so mm. I had to go through this evolution. How many podcasts have been on the whole story, right? I don't tell it anymore. But there was a part of me where that story, that new story of the person who overcame it was who I was, that intrinsically as a human being, I had no value without my ability to overcome trauma, without my ability to be resilient. And so then when that started getting ripped away, that was a dark time. And that was mm. where like, I experienced like present death. And I, I wanted to say this earlier, plant medicine, breath work, cacao ceremonies, intentions, sound healing, nature walks, meditation, all different vehicles, same destination. So you can do this without doing any of the, the plants and stuff. Mm. But I'd say one of the biggest challenges for me was I went through this healing journey. I, I let go of a lot. I had some ego death. I had some clarity. I had some self-forgiveness. But then I was like, who am I without the story? That is a good question. I that's the next step. Without yeah. the story. And that's where I spend my time with every day. And then here's the most beautiful part. And this, I don't have it figured out. Scale of zero to 100, I'm at 4%. I'm just playing the game with you. Like I'm getting smacked at everybody else, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm whoever I want to be in this moment. And one of my men's teachers broke down this concept for me a couple weeks ago. And it like blew my mind. And it's this theory around integrity right? Like we're integrous. In this moment, we are all out of integrity with something, all of mm. us. And there is no such thing as perfect integrity. There's the pursuit of integrity. And the pursuit of integrity is what gives meaning to our life. Mm. And I was like, whoa, yeah. you mean I didn't get it done? I'm not bad and wrong or out of integrity. I just have an opportunity to go do it now. Mm. Or, and I was like, 
man, you took my last excuse away. <laughs> what? Every permission in the world. It's, it's just up to you now. And then I think, like, even my wife one day, she's like, oh, I want to say something, but I don't want you to get her mad. I'm like, just say it. And she's you said this. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry I did it. I'll do it differently right now. And she's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm just getting back into integrity. And it was <laughs> like, I had to make this list of a hundred yeah. places in my life that I was out of integrity. And it's, I didn't drink a gallon of water today. I got to the office 10 minutes later than I wanted. I didn't give my work out the nine when I wanted. It gave it a six. I didn't respond to the email and I intentionally watched YouTube videos and he's great. Pick five. And I was like, cool, there's five. And he's go fix them. And he's like, and then the moment you go back to the next moment, you're probably back out of integrity. And so your life and meaning and presence is the value that you bring to this world is your pursuit of this integrity over and over. And I was like, bro, I'm gonna have to meditate on this one. <laughs> that's powerful right there. I, like, that's I will. Just, yeah. <laughs> and, and that, that literally, if I, that correlated right around my move here, and I'm surrounded by nature now. I stare at mountains, 330 degrees, Glacier National Park. I go to the river once a week, but it's just sitting there. And I was like, wow, like it real boils down to, I have a gift to live. Like I got breath. I got it. I'm too chicken shit to die. So I might as well use it. And I was like, and every moment I'm in this story or this narrative or this program, like oh, I could have done that, the launch could have done that, I could have had that many podcast downloads. I'm like, I'm actually making it all true because I'm not doing anything in that <laughs> moment. And so it's just a really interesting concept. Absolutely. Man, yeah. I think that just the perspective, the fact that we have all had our own journey and it's not done. I, I love the the pursuit. And now, yeah, for me personally, and I think a lot of us, it's, we just don't realize that until something happens. We, we take on, we have a, yeah, there's some catalyst moment, I feel like, that gets us to look at these tools. Like you mentioned, breath work, all these things, cacao ceremonies, which I've started and are freaking awesome, by the way. Yeah, I don't know, man. There's just so much potential for us all but it's just us with this default mind of maybe a lack or not good enough and blah, 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 all these stories that go on and it's not like those end all of a sudden but it's at least the awareness that we have the abilities and nothing is standing in our way and like what you said matt we have so much support everywhere so mm. just reach out or collaborate or or ask for help uh, text the person if that comes if he comes up or she comes up in your mind give your love to the world and honestly just have a damn good time that's it yeah i i feel like i don't know this this is probably gonna sound ultra cliche but i feel like for me what like a big shift came when the pursuit shifted from being about money to being about happiness i feel like for the longest time, my goal was how do I make as much money as possible? I need to support my family. I need to pay my bills. I got a mortgage. I got a car payment. I got I got bills to pay and I just need to constantly be pursuing the money. And I had this huge guilt whenever I was doing things that weren't in pursuit of money. The, if I was sitting around, you know, watching TV at the end of a long day, my brain was spinning going, I really should be sitting at my computer getting some work done. Mm. Or if I was, if I'm at like a, a concert or something, my brain would go into, is there any way I could monetize the fact that I'm at this concert? Maybe I could pull out my phone and video something and share it on social media and figure out some way I can monetize uh, my current enjoyment right now. And so my brain was always in this, like, how do I monetize this mode? How do I get more money? How do I further secure my financial future? And always living in that mode is uh, exhausting. It's exhausting. And when it was probably around the time we did the the the, the ceremony, the uh, San Pedro ceremony, where my brain shifted to how do I just make sure that 
I'm as happy as I can be in any given moment. How do I shift the pursuit from money to happiness? And yes, still make money because the money is a tool to increase the happiness with the money. I can go and travel and I can have the toys that I have fun with and I can buy the gadgets or do whatever it is that it'll make me happy. But when this sort of mental pursuit shifted from I'm chasing the money to I'm chasing the happiness, I feel like a lot of things shifted just across the board with relationship with my family, relationship with Joe, relationship with the business, relationships with everything. Like literally my entire life changed when the pursuit changed. Yeah, I I love that because I had to, one of the things that I talk about is that when you're in that pursuit, the to-do list is never ending, right? Like we're entrepreneurs. I think if we sat down and someone's, hey, we're going to give you a team of 100 to all three of you. What do you want to get done? We could easily list out a thousand things each. No questions asked. That's like <laughs> running up in this soup and we're like, oh yeah, because that's what it would look like. It would do this, world domination, launch this. Like, it's never, <laughs> never ending. But also staying in that prevents the viewpoint of making the iterative adjustments needed to actually start completing things because you just become addicted to the chase. You got to pull the ripcord to take a piece of it. And then the other part of it, and I said this the other day, I was like, everyone swears. Entrepreneurs, it's so funny. I'm like, I ask them what they want. And some version of I want more time, money, and freedom. And I was like, cool. And so you think that sacrificing all of those things for the next 20 years, you're going to enjoy it 21 years later because you're never going to do it. (laughs) You're like, mm-hmm. I want these things, but yet if I give them to you, you take them back. Like, I'll never forget. I'm like, hey, make your schedule. I've helped people double their business in half the time. Within a week, their schedule's full again. I'm like, I thought you wanted more time. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, uh, I was like, oh. And like, that's what I talk about all the time. Like, the biggest thing for me this year, and I've been working on this for a long time, but I neglected the one relationship that I'm stuck with. And it was literally the reason I was failing. It's because any moment I was alone, like in the present moment, I didn't know how to be to myself. And so then I'm like, what what would you do? I would go find a task. I'd go do a video. I'd go record a podcast. I would Mm. numb with a new addiction. It's not video games. It's not wine. It's not drugs. Nope. It's work. And I was like, we're we're addicted. You're right. You said it earlier. And actually I'm happy you brought it back up because we, I've thought about this a lot lately. Like we all have addictions as entrepreneurs. I don't want, I don't want to stop your flow. Go. You're right. Because I look back at my dad and he he was an addict to certain things, but not all bad things. It was like running was one of them. Yeah. Healthy addiction. But he stopped running and he stopped doing a lot of things that were in his constant. And then I think that was partially what led to what happened. And but we I think being aware of our addictions, because that was one of the things I thought about a lot. I'm like, okay, I'm not addicted to the bad stuff that would maybe kill me directly like overdose or blah 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 but shit there are definitely things in my life if i'm not paying attention or at least aware of what it is and then figure out okay how can i pursue the path of excellence or integrity like you said george then we're business can completely ruin us as well and stress levels i took a test that was actually from a a therapist a test the other day and it showed it's called, but I'll share it if you're interested. It's just 40 questions, just very quickly. It's like just different possible traumas in uh, anyone's life over the last period of time, a uh, year. And I scored something like 430. And if you're over 300, that's like severe threat of illness soon. And I was like, holy shit. And I, I know there's a lot of, and it's not all business stuff. It's just life. But I was, that was actually a gut check. That was just two nights ago. And I was like, whoa. 
Yeah, and I've been this has been circling my mind a lot, this whole addiction thing and then also what to do about it. Totally. I'm aware of it. Totally. I think for years I've taught what I've taught because I've been trying to find my way into it as a deeper Mm -hmm. practice, right? Like full disclosure, everybody, I teach what I need and it takes me a little while to get there, then I get there, then I live it, and then I move on to the next thing. And I'm just teaching you my own coaching. But this whole concept of nobody has a marketing problem, everybody has a relationship problem, themselves, their team, their customers, because like Mm -hmm. I know the biggest hole in my game was that self-relationship. And so, yeah, what would happen, like this is all culminating like full circle, like the integrity thing, like actually it was yesterday. I was like, I finished my work for the day and I was like, nope, my calendar's done, but I knew my family wasn't going to be home for another hour and a half. And so instead of honoring my commitment and just leaving the office and going home, I was like, oh, that one more thing. Then 45 minutes later, I'm like, oh crap, I got to cook dinner. And I was like, I have all this stuff open. I was like, laptop closed out the door, like mm-hmm. non-negotiable, but I just yeah. got myself back into integrity with this one shift. But I think even my business partner, Craig and I from high speed daddy, were talking about this. Like all of us with families, like I do this for my family. I do this for my family. I'm like, I'm pretty sure my four year old didn't say, daddy, let me play on my iPad while you work more. He said, please go outside with me and have fun. And it's just this constant pursuit. And so you guys might appreciate this. So I, I was assigned this practice for one of my teachers like six months ago and it challenged me to the core and I did it and now I love it. But I assigned it to my mastermind, I don't know, a couple months ago. And you would have sworn I asked them all to go walk head on into oncoming traffic. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have okay. never seen so many successful people cringe and squirm in their chairs. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good one. And here's the practice. You have to go sit for one hour with nothing. You have to practice boredom. Notebook, no music, no TV. You have to go somewhere alone and you have to watch your thoughts. You can't try to remember anything. You can't leave and 20 minutes later take notes. You actually just have to be a witness to yourself. You can watch a river. You can watch a bird. You can, but you just have to observe for an hour. And I have never seen so many people. Well, can I do this? What about this? Can I blah, blah, blah? And I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> And there was this massive amount of resistance because it's a forced brake pedal. Yeah, and it in, is. in that gap, in that space is where our clarity comes. Either our clarity that this is working, this is our next idea, or this is not working, which for me always brought up, it's not working because I'm bad and wrong. It's like, no, it's not working because I'm not taking the time to reflect, to figure out what did work, what didn't work, and trust myself and intuition to choose what moves next. And so for everybody mm-hmm. listening... I challenge you to do this and send me a DM on Instagram because I want to know because it's, I love it now because like my favorite thing is falling in love with this space. Like I'm surrounded by Glacier National Park. I'm like, okay, cool. There's an elk, (laughs) there's a buffalo, there was a grizzly bear like a week ago up the the way and I was like, dope. And I'm like, I got bald eagles hunting around my office. I'm like, I got like nature documentaries left and right. It's like Nat Geo (laughs) around me, but it's a really good practice. Yeah, I don't know. That was just something I wanted to share. I'm in. I will do that. I'd love to. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it because it's good. It's powerful. yeah, man. Is there anything more to know other than that? Or no, the just... most important part is actually just the practice of witness. Like I tell everybody to treat it like it's a movie, right? Like yeah. when you go to the movie theater, you go for the experience. You don't try to memorize the script. And mm-hmm. so when you do this, you have to watch the movie without trying to memorize the script because it's our thoughts of what we'll try to. I thought this. I need that. I got to remember that. And then you miss the rest of the movie. It's like mm-hmm. opening your That's phone true. in the middle of the movie to take notes. I was like, so you just have to watch the movie. And it's no different than like a meditation. 
I actually find it a little bit easier than a meditation because I'm able to take in inputs and I'm like, oh, bird, up oh, car. And it's okay that I went bird car. And I'm like, bye bird. And I'm like, oh, another bird. And you're just immersed in the whole thing. Yeah, it's you're just looking. full yeah. presence. And it was nuts to me though, because this concept, it's like, hey, I want to be a better run. I'm going to go run. I want to get stronger. I'm going to curl this. I want to lose weight. I want to eat better. It's, I want to have a better relationship with myself, but I never sit with myself. And it's, oh, if I read another book, <laughs> if I go to another therapy session, I'll get better. I'm like, when do you integrate the knowledge? It's true. Yeah. And like, Dude, it's, I've, I've thought about that a lot is there's so many things and learnings and pull. I know I, and Matt, I know you do too. <laughs> you always get books, new input, YouTube video. I know George, you're always consuming all sorts of interesting stuff. Right? I know. Freaking it's, podcast doesn't help when they're like, you got to read this book. Oh, I know. Yeah. I don't I know. know it all yet. And I'm, I'm like super selective. Like I go in bursts. I work out in silence because it's a, a deep mind game for me. And then they'll sit in silence or I'll be like, I'm intentionally listening to this in my workout so that I can go reflect on it or this thing. But I have been really intentional about it because I, what I found too is that I'll read an audiobook or, or listen to an audiobook. I'm like, oh, I'm so bummed I don't remember. But three weeks later, I'll sit down for 30 minutes and I could literally like script the book, but I didn't give myself the space mm. to collect the information. And so what it is, we spend all of this time collecting more data, but yet we never clear space on the hard drive. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so my favorite musician who I just had on the podcast, his episode came up today, Will Evans, he wrote this lyric and I'll, I'll send you guys his playlist. He's mind blowing. You should have him on the show. I love it. I him. think Heather was listening to him because something you posted. Yeah. And she, I was like, what are you listening to? And she's like, oh yeah, your friend George posted about it. Yeah. This. I just like, had him on the show. I love his music, but he's, he's got a song called the darkness when life starts taking over you to grab the wheel and drive. But there's another line that says you can't fill up the cup before you pour out what's in it. Mm. And it's, yep. we just keep consuming. And the only mm. way to empty the cup is to actually just sit in stillness mm. and let it out. And it's this really, and I'm playing with it a, a ton, but I, I'm like all my teachers, all the people that I know, like I know some people that spend four hours a day sitting in silence and they are the happiest, most successful, most abundant. Like I'm like, do you have a lighting crew following around? Like you're glowing. <laughs> like who did yeah, your man. who did your glow up? Is that an Instagram filter? I want to know what filter that is. No, it's the lighting. It's the cool lighting. Setup it's all, it's all the bought. it's all the lighting. But yeah, I I just think it's such a powerful and interesting concept. And and yeah, it's it, and it's something like I've had times where the hour has felt like an eternity, and I've had times the hour has felt like a minute. And I'm like, I'm done. Mm. No, I'm not done. No, no, no. I was like, kids, go to bed. I need more time. Come on, something good. I'm watching a great movie here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, getting interesting. Yeah. We're at the climax. <laughs> and so I've been pulling this thread, and I, I love your thoughts on this, but I, my, my keyword, like I always find a word for the year, like a thesis or a theme for like my students, my mastermind. And a couple of years ago is your measuring stick is broken. In. And then last year was two-way communication. And this year for me, it's space. Like this thing for space and even with customers, right? I've actually never talked about this except for private clients. But I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make with their customers is they don't allow the space for the customer to achieve the result. They always lean into, I have to email them more. I have to give them more. And I was like, no, when do you get them to miss you? When do you get them to have the space? If you're intentional about the gap, then the space is created for them to come in and fill it up. But what do we do? They buy my product, right? They have five minutes in their day. They buy your product. Like, all right, log in here, start this video, get it done in week one, blah, blah, blah. And it's, there's no space 
But if you're like, hey, do this, and you check in a couple of days later, oh, where have you been? Like they start to crave and want to come in because it's pulling them in. And so this concept of space, I'm practicing for myself, but I'm finding its implementation throughout business. My team meetings, uh, our mastermind calls, like my communications, like I have 40 unread messages. I'll do them tomorrow. They can wait. Sure. You know what I mean? Dude, like it's. That's exactly how I, because I wasn't giving myself space for that. And I have the same thing right now. I have like probably more than 40. It used to eat me up at first. Mm-hmm. And you know, I got, I, I need to do it, of course. But now it's just not, I'm good. And actually I create space by, okay, that part of my day, that's where I'll go ham on it and go crazy. But yeah. with intention and exactly. I'm happy to do that, I have a space for it go there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, that's my practice this year. And I think you guys did it with the show, right? You're like, oh, this is it. So you're like, how do we do this? So it's fun. You get intentional yeah. about it. And then you even get to decompress after in that mm-hmm. container with yep. intentions. So you're boom. And so you're actually probably buying back a lot of your mental bandwidth that it was being taken mm-hmm. up other show episodes. Hundred Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you get that same sort of release that you'd get if you'd implemented it by just talking about it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. And yeah, maybe you said it a little clearer is, yeah, you don't have to do everything, but even if you just talk about it, you almost get that gratification. It feels like you did it. And obviously, mm-hmm. if you really do want to do it, maybe you're still excited afterwards. You're like, okay, I'm going to do that thing. Or <laughs> we're going to explore it further. But yeah, we have created our space, Matt. And I know on our show, it's, we're having way more fun. Yeah. And I think it's coming out in terms of our feedback. We don't really talk about this, George, but you know about this. We have these therapy sessions where that's just Matt and I talking with each other and talk about the good, bad, ugly, whatever. And we'll just go deep and we usually don't know where it's going to go. And we have maybe a couple ideas and then we just open up and flow for a good hour plus. And uh, those are the best, fe- those shows get the most feedback. Yep. And those are the ones where for a while we didn't do any for whatever we- reason. We we're like, we got to have this other person on. And people are like, where do the therapy sessions go? Because we want to hear all that stuff and we want to hear you. And that I think that allowed us even more space. And that's still a consistent thing. At least once per month, we do that. But now it's almost in every episode. So it's just like, Oh, it can't get better. I know it can get better than this, but it's part of the journey. <laughs> we'll get there. I think that's what makes it so valuable too, though, is that what you're doing is you're creating like a surrogate journey for the people mm. listening yeah. on the same yeah. thoughts that they're having, right? On the sure. same mm-hmm. patterns and recognition. And so like when we combine the shows, like it used to be Monday minutes, so it's just mindset, but I'd get to done with the quote and I had an hour of stuff to share. And I was like, oh, and then Wednesday I'd be in strategies and tactics. I'm like, but this is missing the frame. Like it's missing the context. And so I was like, and I was like, idea as I unpack it. And then this is how I would implement it. And it's creating the space for me to do that with myself. Like, and also love the fact that my brain's like ADD nightmare when it comes to my own thinking and my neural pathways. But I, I think it's awesome. Like I, I totally get it. So I love it. I love it. So I got to rapid fire you guys. You ready? So I'm a rapid fire you. Okay. Uh, Joe, you go first. What's your favorite food? Mexican food. What kind? Like, what's your dish? Uh, California burrito, and I had one of the best ones last night. Ooh, happy man. The California burritos on Pendleton were legit when I was stationed there. Really? Oh, I'm yeah. There, there was this food know. truck okay. parked right outside the exchange. There'd be 100 Marines in line at a time. And Ooh, I was like, yep. I got to figure out the name of that truck. <laughs> I got to call some <laughs> Marine buddies of mine if you don't remember. <laughs> California burrito. All right, Matt, what's yours? 
I love California burritos too. I, but mine is probably like gourmet macaroni and cheese. So like macaroni ah. and cheese with like chicken and bacon and like they the got the baked oh. over crust on top. Yeah, that. The, the <laughs> crust the crust is the back part. You remember those Stouffer's mac and cheese? The like microwavable yeah. ones? <laughs> I never liked the mac and cheese. I just like to cook them and I would eat the crust <laughs> on, on like the darkened part around the edges. So like, I would buy like four of them and I would just eat the crust. I'm like, how can I make the middle crusty? I just want burnt cheese. <laughs> Burnt cheese. Get a torch. Get a torch. Yeah. I don't cheese. eat macaroni and cheese very often because it absolutely destroys my stomach, but I love it. Oh, I'm lactose intolerant too, but there's times that I'm like willing to make the sacrifice. I'm like, I'm going into the jungle. Like, I'm going. I got it. I got baby wipes and a good audio. Oh, Get the whole backpack full. You're good to go. I did a post on Facebook the other day and I got so many DMs. Did you really post that? I said it should be illegal to take a shit without a bidet or baby wipes around. I got so many. They're like, really? I'm like, it's true. I was like, it's like yeah. fraudulent just using toilet paper. So that's that's my. So there's a stand-up comedian named Dan- Daniel Sloss, and he has a line in one of his stand-up comedies where he says, "Have you ever tried to clean peanut butter out of a carpet using toilet paper?" <laughs> he said, "Just pick, uh, have that imagery in your mind next time you take a shit, and tell me you don't want to use like a wet wipe." <laughs> True. That is uh, a legit joke. That is a legit <laughs> joke. Have you ever tried to clean toilet paper out of the carpet? No, peanut peanut butter butter out of the carpet with toilet paper. Okay, got it. All right. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm always curious. Mountains or beach? Mountains for me. Mountains. Yeah, and you both live in San Diego. Yep. Yep. So it's just a matter of time before you end up back in the mountains. Oh, it's true. That's why I got him behind me, bro. I got it. What are you currently reading or listening to? I have two I'm listening to. Listening to David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me. Love that book. And but the extended version, thirteen hours. So yep. it's like podcast plus hint. Oh, like, it's so cool. Untethered Soul. I just finished, so I'm starting the Surrender Experiment, which is basically Both good. the next Michael Singers. Yes, and shoot one other one. The YouTube Formula is like the tactical book by Daryl Ives. I know mm. I just stole one of Matt's books, but we're sharing mm. that. Yeah. What about your? Yeah, I mean, I, the books I have on my desk right now that I'm in the middle of are How to Shoot Videos That Don't Suck. <laughs> And the YouTube formula by Daryl Eves. So I'm in the middle of these two right now. As far as watching or listening to, I've been going down like the YouTube rabbit hole. Like what, basically I've been studying how to edit videos and make better edited together videos. So I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about how to edit videos. Mm, I love it. And Daryl Eves is like the OG YouTuber, Mm. like OG YouTube guy. So that's good. Okay, we're gonna, oh, by the way, What's the best place for everybody to find you? Podcasts? Like, I got more questions. I got one more question for each of you, but where is the best place for them to find you? You give them the rundown because I can't even remember all your names. Just go to hustleandflowchart.com. We'll redirect you to our show. And then if you listen to our show, you'll learn about everything else we're doing. And you should go to the show and search for the name George Bryant. We have Mm -hmm. quite a few good episodes up there because I gave, they needed email help. So they interviewed me and made me give my entire course away for free on a podcast. We made you. So we, we every year we do our top our top ten most popular episodes for the pre- previous year. In 2020, you were on twice, and both of your episodes made it to the top ten. I I will tell you, I secretly celebrated that, and it came at a good time. And I was like, I do know what I'm doing. Okay, yeah. shut up, head chatter. Okay, people love me. Yeah, it's okay. I'm loved. It works. Okay. So this question is really important. I'm going to ask you individually, Matt. I'm going to have you go first. And so. This question is, everybody listening, we got them time, but I want you to imagine that all they got was this part of the episode, and you have the ability to tattoo anything on their soul. 
words, wisdom, a takeaway, something to remember. Matt, what would you tattoo on people's soul? Enjoy the ride. Mm, I love <laughs> Feels it. Feels cliche, but that's what it would be. I, I'll probably get that tattoo on myself in real life. So <laughs> I love it. And Joe, your turn. What would you tattoo on their soul? I don't care how long that tattoo session is. It's up to you. <laughs> oh, man, it can go long, <laughs> but it's it's going to be around unconditional happiness mm. and staying in that. And I, I think it would just be words on like my forearm. I'm just looking at my forearm. Just a, a nice little reminder there because that's my pursuit. That's the journey. Yeah. And I'd say I've never done this, but I have to give a tattoo after today's conversation because it was (laughs) such a good one. I would say, I would say practice radical acceptance of self, Mm. radical acceptance of self. Yeah. Like I, I think I don't have that full set of lenses on yet, but I have them in my toolbox to put on and when they're off, I can find them again. But I feel like that's been probably one of the biggest secrets is like getting into integrity with myself by having radical acceptance of like where I am today. Mm. so i love it these are all great man dude we're gonna have to do we'll we'll have to do a round two we'll have to do a round two please and and hopefully in montana in person that would be even better i dude (laughs) i have the gear i have the setup we'll go do it in glacier national park like we will yes we'll find a spot grizzly bears grabbing salmon out of the river i don't know we'll get it legit it'll look like a green screen but it'll actually be real that's my home now yes sign me up we'll cry together in montana let's do it let's do it breathwork (laughs) everything else we'll have to do another one on your show soon too so guys um everybody listening to this uh remember all of this please check out their show absolutely amazing i have been on it they are the best in the game and hint hint if you are a podcaster i highly recommend you go check out their show because they drop insane amounts of value and they just drop something new that i got to see that's very much worth going but go to hustleandflowchart.com check it out thank you for your tattoos and souls of wisdom hang around as i close the show so guys this has been another episode of the mind of george show i'm probably gonna go cry after this one i got some things that i gotta sit within my gut. And uh, I always love the refreshing therapy sessions, especially when they happen on my podcast. But do me a favor, take one thing that you heard today in any part of it, any part of it, and put it into practice in your life. Carry it forward, try it, make it a habit, and be consistent with it. Whether it's self-love, self-honesty, radical honesty, practicing joy, or just finding some space to watch the beautiful movie of your life, or enjoy the life that you've created, and use your business to support it. Don't sacrifice your life to build your business. So it's been another episode of The Mind of George. So I think it's time for me to cue the outro now because you've probably had enough of my voice. So let's go. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.